Thanks for listening to the church at Severn Run Messages Podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. It's great to see you guys uh, coming out on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. Those sinners, you can't get up for 9.30, huh? Is that what it is? Yeah, I get it. And 12.30, you know, you, you'll be in the line behind the Methodist for the stake, so you come to this service. So I get why you come here, and, uh, but I'm glad to be here. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about this a minute ago. I thought, because my brain I, is, is miswired, all right? Anybody married to somebody that has a miswired brain? You know, you know what I'm talking about? They don't understand you. You don't understand them. And so my brain just fires all the time. It just never stops. And so I was thinking about that, and I, and I thought, you know, uh, everybody on staff here is so happy. And I wonder, you got to wonder why. It's because they drink a lot of the communion juice. I, I finally figured that out, you know, and, uh, or something. I don't know. But, but what I think it is, I think it's the joy of the Lord. Because last night, the bars in this area were full. Do you all know that? Well, you're Baptist. You don't know that. But they were full. Just take my word for it. They, they, they were full last night. And, and people were laughing and joking and doing things they probably shouldn't do according to the Bible but, uh, afterwards. But, but I thought about that. Why, why are God's people not that happy? Have you ever wondered that? I mean, why shouldn't we be shouting and singing and praising and, and joyful and happy? And, and even if we're going through a bunch of stuff, at least let's act like we drank the communion juice, okay? I mean, because the world needs to see the joy of the Lord today, don't they? I mean, if there's anything the world needs to see in our topsy-turvy, crazy world that we live in, they need to see the joy of the Lord. And so I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that this morning. Uh, if you don't know who I am, I've known Pastor Drew for about 20 years, and um, he still looks the same. I mean, he's gotten a little taller, I think, or something. But I just, I mean, just one of those guys has always remained the same, uh, that sweet spirit that good teaching voice, that incredible message delivery, and, and just the integrity that he has. And so uh, if, if, you're, if you're new here today and you're looking for a church, I want to recommend coming here, okay? Uh, I met a first-time visitor at the 930 service. I said, how far do, away do you live? They said it took about 15 minutes. You're close enough, okay? And uh, just to be a part, wouldn't you say you that have been here a long time, this is a great church to be a part of. And so um, I would encourage you. To, uh, to be a part of this, because uh, this is a great, great place. And, and so I, I want to help you develop today in these few moments that I have that kind of church. So if you have a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 26. If you don't, I'm going to read them for you. You can listen up. Uh, just stay awake. If you don't, I'll throw something at you and uh, a hymn book or something if they got one in here and keep you awake. But I want you to get in these 25 minutes that we have, I want you to get something you can take home with you and use, all right? Because I, I believe if you come to church and you don't get anything out of it, why go to church? I mean, come on. You ought to get something out of it. People say, well, I don't go to church to get anything. Well, you should. You should. You should get the Word of God, something that stirs your heart and renews your spirit. And hopefully we're going to do that this morning. So if you have your outline as well, uh, I think that's in your bulletin this morning. Pull that out. We're going to go through these six points real quickly. I talk fast, so you got to listen fast, all right? And, uh, and <laughs> so just stay with me. Genesis chapter 26. Look in verse 1 with me. Now, there was a famine in the land. Stop right there. How many of you know what a famine is like? 
You've been going through lack, uh, the prayer that Ben prayed just a moment ago. Some of you going through troubles in your uh, marriage. So uh, go pay $125 and get it right over this next couple of weeks. Um, uh, you know, some of you, I'm being facetious. Some, some of you are going through stuff at work that you can't explain. It's just gotten weird at work and you don't know what to do about it. Some of you are struggling with health issues that you didn't struggle with 20 years ago or five months ago. Some of you are going through relationship challenges that you would have never expected to happen in your life right now. Somebody that you really counted on isn't that person that you thought they were. We all go through this stuff where there is a famine in the land. There is a lack in our present land. And guys, I'm going to tell you there is a purpose behind that lack. I'm going to show you that in just a moment. In fact, if you have your outline, write this first thing down. Number one on your outline, God's release of his promise is for the purpose of ruling and responsibility. Now you say, what does that mean? Let's dive into this story with me uh, in Genesis chapter 26. There's a famine in the land, verse 1, besides the earlier famine of Abraham's time. So we know this was a common occurrence. This is the Middle East. Uh, People knew what famines were like. They happened on a cyclical basis. In fact, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 10, it says, now there was a famine in the land and Abraham went down to Egypt. So uh, Isaac's daddy, Abraham, experienced a famine. Now the son, Isaac, is experiencing a famine. All of us go through those lack times in our life where we wonder what God, what are you doing in our lives? And so Isaac went to Abimelech, into verse 1, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Now notice what God says. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt. Now Abraham went down to Egypt. Now he's being told, don't go down to Egypt. There's a reason for that. But live in the land where I have you to live. Stay in this land for a while and I will be with you and I will bless you. You say, what, what, what's going on here, folks? It's simply this. God has a purpose for you where you are with what you have with the people that you're with, okay? I didn't tell the 930 crowd this because they were half asleep, but you can get this, all right? God wants to use you where you are with what you have with the people that you're with. And you're going, Ron, you don't understand the people I'm with. Hang on just a minute. I'm going to show you that there's a reason for the people that you are with right now. So we got this famine going on. Some of you know what that's like. We got this call of God, don't go down to Egypt, which was the normal thing to do. In other words, it didn't matter what his Facebook friend said, didn't matter what the sisters at the spa were saying, didn't matter what his guys at the gym were saying, his bro guys at the gym were saying, he is supposed to do that which is abnormal. And guys, if you understand God, you understand that he is a God that asks you to do unordinary things, doesn't he? I mean, these just don't make sense. I mean, for me to start a church, I'm almost 60 years old, and I'm starting another church. My wife thinks I'm crazy. My friends think I'm crazy. My boss, he hired me crazy, and, um, and, and I'm starting this church, not because I need anything to do, but because I want to keep my hands in the soil of a church as a pastor and, and shepherd people and lead people to Christ and build something on top of the full-time job I already have. It's crazy to do that, but God called me to do it, and so I said yes. I'm taking the time that I have, a little bit of time, and putting myself into this new church. God may be calling you to do something that is totally crazy. I mean, absolutely abnormal. Your wife knows it. Your friends know it. Your buddies at the gym know it. But God's calling you to do it. And when God calls you to do something, folks, there is a reason behind it. What is it? It's simply to rule and to reign over that which God has entrusted to you. Do you understand that? Now you say, well, I've got things I don't want i got people in my life I don't understand. I've got situations I can't confront. What's going on here? Look at number two on your outline. A famine is a testing time. A testing time. Now let me teach you something about the difference between temptation and testing. Temptation 
is from the devil. Testing is from the Lord. A temptation is designed to draw you away from God. A test is designed to draw you closer to God. A temptation is something that will distract you from the things of the Lord. A test is designed to develop you in the things of the Lord. Are you getting this so far? I'm trying to do it slower because the 930 crowd was writing real fast. I had to repeat it several times. You're smarter than they are, so just hang on here. So, so, so a temptation, watch this now, a temptation is that thing that God puts you through just before graduation, okay? Remember the test you had to take when you were in high school to graduate? And, and, and some of you just said, I don't want to take those tests, I'm just going to graduate, and they wouldn't let you go on the stage and get that little piece of paper. But why? Because to graduate, you've got to go through a test. And a test is designed to develop you where you are with the things that you have with the people that you are with. Even when it is a famine time. Even when you're in lack. Even when you're in need. A famine is a test of God to develop you where you are with who you're with. So what is God doing here? He's saying, Isaac, I want you to stay put. I want you to keep doing the things that you're doing. I've called you to this. I don't want you to run. I don't want you to go away. Why? Because right down the third thing. God always attaches a promise to your problem. God always attaches a promise to your problem. Look at this with me again in, uh, in verse 3. God says to Isaac, stay in this land for a while. I will be with you. I will bless you. And watch, oh, it even gets better. For to you and all the descendants, I will give these lands and will confirm the oath that I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. I will give them all these lands, and through your offspring, all nations will, on earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me, that's Isaac's daddy, and he kept my requirements and my commands and my decrees and my laws. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. Now, now what does that mean? It means this, folks. God is promising you, while you go through your problem, God is promising you that he will deliver his promise to you He will deliver his provision to you while you're going through what you're going through in the land of your lack. That's God's promise to you. You say, it gets shaky sometimes. It sure does. Sometimes you hear these songs up here on the screen. You go, I can't sing that because it's just not real for me. I understand. Some of you wonder, what in the world, God? You put all these crazy people around me, and I don't understand it, God. What are you doing? I don't understand what I'm going through. I don't like what I'm going through. I can't make sense of what I'm going through. But, God, you're putting me through this. Why is that? Because God is about to develop you to test you for a point of graduation. And while you're going through that, God's promise remains true. How many of you know that? I mean, you know, I, I mean, when I met my wife, Pat, she couldn't come today. We have two sick uh, grandkids. Um, you know, the excuse why uh, when I, people would ask, well, where's your wife today? I'd say, we have sick kids at home. Now it's six, sick grandkids. How many of you know you never get away from kids, right? And they, they just keep coming home. And so, uh, but when I first saw her, I, I just fell in love with this girl. I mean, that was 41 years ago. Uh, we've been married uh, uh, 37 uh, years, and we dated for four years before we got uh, married because she just took her that long to, because she was like, you want me to, God, you want me to marry him? <laughs> you know? I mean, have you ever had that frank conversation with your wife where you go, honey, why did you marry me? And she was truthful. <laughs> After that, you need to go pay $125 to go to a marriage conference, okay? I'm just telling you right now. I mean, Pat, and so Pat said one day, the only reason I married you is God told me to. A real romantic, huh? I may come to your $125 uh, marriage conference, you know? I mean, you know, I thought she was going to say because I was good looking back then. You know, I had a strong body back then. You know, I was riding a motorcycle with long flowing hair. It was the 70s. Now I'm just trying to keep the hair I got. 
But she said, because God told me to. And I thought, that's not a real good reason. But then I thought, oh, wait, that's the only reason, right? Because, I mean, you got to understand something. Sometimes you don't understand why God is calling you to what he's calling you to do. You're going through what you're going through to test you, to develop you, because God's promise of provision is attached to the problem and the person he puts you with. Write that down real quickly. P, 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 P. You know? It's crazy. But I believe that. God does that. He's got people right now that are developing you in your life that you don't understand why they're there. God sent them to you. You say, well, how do I discern whether or not God sent them or the devil sent them? I have people ask me this all the time. How do I know if that person's the right person for my life? If they're drawing you closer to God, they're probably from God. If they're drawing you away from God, they're probably from the other guy. I mean, if you had to meet him in a bar on Saturday night, probably not from God. If he fell off the bar stool on Saturday night, definitely not from God, okay? See, this isn't hard. <laughs> I speak to singles groups all the time. They say, how do I find the right guy? They're all these idiots because you're, you're going to the wrong place. I mean, you know, I'm just telling you, I'm not against bars or anything like that. Just please understand where I'm coming from. I'm just saying where you go to find something is probably you're going to get what that something produces, Right? Right? You say, well, I look around here and I can't find one here. Keep looking. There are three stinking services here, baby. <laughs> Go to all three if you have to. Sit on the front row so the camera shines on you. And there will be some bubba back there going, thump, 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 thump. I mean, it just happens. I'm telling you. Isaac had to stay put. He had to stay with the problem, famine, that God had allowed in his life. But notice the fourth thing I want you to see, because this one's really, really important, and it's going to be kind of different than what I just told you. You cannot move up until you move out who no longer belongs in your life. Okay? Let me say that one more time. You cannot move up until you move out who no longer belongs in your life. Let me, let me give you an example. I, I have, if you can't see this in the back, this is a skunk on a stick. And... Um, I stole this from my grandkids. They've been with us all weekend, and I figured if I stole their skunk, they'd go home. And um, so, you know, I mean, I could take them for 48, come on, grandparents, you know what I'm talking about. 48 hours, maybe 72 if you got more patients than me, then baby, take them children home. <laughs> this is not a permanent residence. It is a hotel that has an expiration date. Now, I love my grandkids. They're all girls, and, and I love them. I really do. I'm still looking for a football player and got three ballerinas, but I, 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 I love them all. We have a great time together, but I'm ready for them to go to bed at 8 and to go home after two days. All right? Now, I'm being facetious before you write me a nasty email, all right? But there's some people that the devil puts in your life. Do you all realize this? Don't look at the person next to you. Look this way. You're going to need marriage counseling if you look at the person next to me. They are skunks on a stick. And what they do is they smell bad and they smell up and sour your spirit. They, I mean, I've got someone in my life right now that they're negative all the time. All they do, you get around them. How you doing? I don't even ask anymore because I don't want to hear it. If you don't want to hear it, don't ask. And so, so I, I, I just, I mean, but they're just always down. And you know what I'm talking about? Again, don't look around. Just look this way. But, you know, you got those people that just, they're always, you know, well, you know, it's 61 degrees. Well, my sinuses are messed up. 
It's stinking 61 degrees in February. We ought to be joyful and dancing on the rooftops. Skunks. Isaac experienced some stunks, skunks in his life. Look at this story with me. Look down in, uh, look down in verse uh, 12 with me. Actually, verse, uh, verse 14. Look at verse 14. And, and Isaac had so many flocks and herds and servants that his Philistines envied him. And so the wells that his father's servants had dug at that time of his father Abraham, the Philistines, they, they were bad dudes. They stopped those wells up, filling them with earth. And then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us, for you become too powerful for us. For, uh, for us. Well, what is happening? Listen, God sometimes will allow your enemy to win in your life, to move that person that does not belong in your life away from you. Because they're messing you up. We've all got people that mess up our life. And sometimes God will allow lag to come and our enemy to oppress us because God is trying to move away from those people that he did not call to be in our lives. And this could be somebody that you, that you trust, that, 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 that's been around you for a while. And, and I'm not here to tell you who that is and who that isn't is, but you can use the test. If they're drawing you closer to God, they're probably from God. If they're drawing you away from God, they're probably uh, from the devil. In fact, when my daughters were dating, uh, they're all, you know, getting married now and found the right one after a lot of tries, many proms. And, uh, and so I would take the guy, I didn't like any of them. How, how many of you had daughters? You know what I'm talking about, okay? I didn't, you know, did you like, did you like, did you, yeah, you didn't like any of them, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you know how guys are. Yeah, yeah. And so when they bring home Bubba, I'd say, Bubba, let's go for a walk. Now, okay, yeah, this is West Virginia. And I'd say, you're not related to us, are you? You know, <laughs> just want to make sure. And I'd take him for a walk, and I'd carry a sword with me. My daughters hated this. And, and I had this little talk with him. We'd get to know each other. What do you do? What do you like doing? What's your favorite football team? It better not be anybody but the, Red, the Redskins or the Ravens, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and uh, Pittsburgh, maybe. And I'd say, now, Bubba, we're getting towards the last lap before we get home. And, and uh, I just need to tell you something. If you hurt my daughter in any way, I'll cut you. Now, look, these guys were as big as you. I mean, they were bigger. I mean, you know, the muscles, you know, and strong and all that. I'm just a shrimp. I couldn't learn. But, but my voice carried weight. And, and, and they'd say things like, but you're a preacher. Not when I come after you. <laughs> Why? Because I knew there were some guys that my, my daughters are beautiful, and I can say that myself. But I, but I knew there were some guys that the devil would send to them. Are you listening that God didn't send them. How did I know? Did he bring her closer to God or did he drive her away from the Lord? That's how you test. And there's some skunks. See, God allowed this to happen in Isaac's life. His wells are getting stopped up. He's not doing anything bad, but his wells get stopped up, which is the lifeblood of the city and the town is the well of water. He allows them to get stopped up by the enemies because God is trying to drive those enemies away from Isaac because they were going to pull him away. And God is going to do the same thing in your life in the land of lack. Look at the rest of the story with me. Here's number five, and then we've got to wrap up these last two. Who you obey is determined by who you're listening to the most. 
There's a famine in the land. God says to stay there, and God says to sow in the land of your lack, which is really stupid if you think about it. Not that God's stupid, but you understand what I'm saying. Look in verse 12. So Isaac planted crops in the land, and the same year he reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. Where? Not down in Egypt, but in the land where he stayed. Not in the land of blessing, which was Egypt, the granary of the world at that time, but in the land of lack is where God blessed him. See, God's always going to bless you when you stay where you are with the people that you're with doing what he called you to do in the first place. The problem is there's this thing called a gap. And the gap is that time period. It may be a day, a month, a week, it may be a year, it may be a decade or longer where you feel like God's not working, but he is working behind the scenes to do in you what he wants to accomplish through you. God's getting you ready for something in the land of your lack. And so God says to sow in the land of your lack. Take your seed and put it in barren, dry, dusty land, which does not make sense to take your good seed and put it in the land that is barren. And then God says, when you obey me. See, see, when God calls you to crazy faith and you do it, you get what God promised in the first place. Let me tell you something, my last church plant was called 365 Church, and, and uh, it was an inner city plant. I'd never done an inner city plant in my life. I'd always done plants that looked like this, you know, middle class, upper middle maybe, a few people maybe struggling as well, you know, kind of mixed in there, but pretty much for the most part, a middle class church in suburbia. That's what I'd always planted. Grew a very large church there in that little town in Shepherdstown. Uh, and uh, so my last church plan, I decided I wanted to do something different. I was 48 years old and said, so I got one more in me. And, uh, and so I went to the inner city and planted a church. And everybody said I was crazy. But how many of you know that God gives you crazy faith? Sometimes you just got to do what everybody else thinks is crazy because that's God's call. I mean, I mean, come on, just look at the people. Abraham, Abraham, I, I, you're 70 years old. I'm going to call you to go to a place you've never been to. I'm not going to tell you how to get there. You're going to have to follow the cloud uh, by, uh, by a day and the, and the light by night. And, and, and I'm going to bless you there. And you're going to have descendants as many as the stars of the sky. And he didn't even have one kid at 70. I, I, I was thinking about that. <laughs> I looked at my wife last night. And we're both, about, both of us about ready to turn 60. I know I don't look like it, but we are. And, um, and, and I said, honey... What, what do you think it would be like if, if, if like, at 60 you got pregnant? And I'm going to filter what she said. <laughs> it was something like, stay away from me <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> you know, and uh, I mean, can you imagine? That's crazy, but God does crazy things. And so this church, we didn't have any money because, I mean, basically four couples gave almost all the money to the church. I mean, people would throw in just their dollar, 50 cents, or maybe a casino chip, you know, that kind of, I mean, we really, we got casino chips in our offering plate. I mean, they just throw in anything. One, one Sunday we had a, 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 a nickel bag of weed. You're Baptist, do you know what that is? Uh, and, I, and I thought, do I sell it? I mean, what do you do with that? I mean, uh, I mean, they gave it, you know, I think they were getting rid of it. That's what I was told. They were getting rid of it. And, and they were so lost, they didn't know that you weren't supposed to put it in the offering plate. <laughs> I actually led that guy to the Lord, and he's a preacher today. True story. And uh, so, just never know. And um, where was I going with that? Do you remember? Oh, something about your daughter? No, okay. And, and so, oh yeah, and so we had to raise $100,000 $100, to buy this building. We'd outgrown where we were. Uh, schools weren't going to let us use uh, the building anymore for this church. We'd grown to a bunch of people. And so, um, so I found this building, a spa. My, lady, my, my wife found it, a lady spa. Uh, they did massages there. Uh, we still had people coming wanting massages, old men, uh, looking for Betty, you know, Betsy, whatever. 
And, uh, and we bought, but we had no money. We had to have $100,000 in 10 weeks. Now, how do, you get, how do you get poor people who are living on welfare to give $100,000 in 10 weeks? That's impossible, right? So one of the ladies, Wanda Mellon, had an idea. She said, Pastor, uh, you know that a lot of us go to the pawn shop all the time. I said, no, I've never been in a pawn shop. But, you know, what do you do in a pawn shop? We sell stuff and they give us money. That's a great idea. I should be doing that. And... Um, and uh, she said, so what if we asked everybody to bring all their jewelry, like their mama's jewelry, their grandmother's jewelry, all that stuff, and bring it, and then I'll take it to the pawn shop, and we'll sell it. And, and I said, you get money for that? We get money for that. So I didn't know how pawn shops work. I mean, it's a great thing, man. Take your stuff in, get money. And, uh, and so we did. So I thought, you know, we get three or $4,000, maybe something like that. You know, I wanted to humor her, because again, I, did, I, I just didn't have faith that this was really going to work. She had crazy faith. I didn't. How many of you know that sometimes a preacher didn't even have faith? So that Sunday, people brought stuff. Grandmother's rings, jewelry, silver, gold. I don't know anything about jewelry. It all looks the same to me. You know, premier jewelry looks like real stuff to me. You could, you know, sell me anything. And so they brought all this stuff down. $36,000 cash money jewelry the first Sunday. 11000 the second Sunday. Two-week combo, $47,000. That pawn shop in Winchester, Virginia <laughs> shelled out to us. And, uh, I mean, crazy faith, right? She raised half of the money that we needed from an idea that God gave her that everybody thought she was crazy about, but because she had crazy faith, God honored that. You know what happened? Some of the other people that had a little bit of money stood up and said, you know, we're going to match that. One guy uh, sold his boat and he brought the money. And the next week, uh, another a young kid that uh, had been saving up all of his money for a car, a car, uh, like five years, you know, for a car, like had four or $5,000 saved up, was going to buy a car, and was just re getting ready to buy it that month, and brought all that money and laid it at the altar and said, God told me to, a crazy faith. We had people that were bringing in uh, uh, timeshare uh, things that they had sold. And we had people bringing in uh, uh, mortgages on their home uh, that they were, they were selling this like second home and, and, and giving the, uh, the proceeds of what they made. All, I mean, crazy. People went nuts. In 10 weeks, we raised $110,000, which may not sound like a lot of money to you, but to a bunch of poor people, they raised enough money and they're in that building today in multiple services, seeing many people come to Christ every single Sunday. See, that's how God does it. See, God will take that which is crazy. And turn it into a blessing if we will stay put where we are with the people that we're with, doing what God called us to do with the resources that he gave us. Crazy faith. You say, well, how do you do that? Look at the last thing and then we're done. I want you to see this. This is good stuff. Oh, man, number six, Isaac did not leave his assignment. Look at verse 16. Abimelech said, move away from us. So what does Isaac do? I love this. I love it. Verse 17. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerir and settled there. And Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug at the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. Now watch this. Uh, verse, um, uh, go down to verse uh, 22. And he moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. And he named it Rehoboth, which means plenty of room. Saying, now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. What is Isaac realizing about God? You need to understand something, folks. When God blesses you, even your enemy will be surprised at what God has done because of your obedience. Do you realize that? See, some of you, God is calling you right now to do something, and you're not doing it because you're scared to death. You're fearful for what other people are going to say. You're, you're scared to take that step. You're, you're, uh, you're fearful what, what, what people are going to think of you. You're, you're wondering, well, how, how, how am I, I going to market that to Facebook and look like a, a sane person? It's crazy what God is calling me to do. 
He's called me to restore a relationship with somebody that they are in the wrong. Yep, that's how God does it. He's called me to actually ask forgiveness of someone that has hurt me and, and, and yet I've done nothing to offend them. Yep, that's how God works. He's called me to try to attempt reconciliation with someone that doesn't even like me. Yep, that's how God works. He's called me to stay put in my job even though my supervisor is driving me. Yep, that's how God works. He's called me to stay in this marriage even though I want to run and the temptation every time I take a trip is out there to, to, to be unfaithful to my spouse. And God has called me to stay faithful to this one that doesn't understand me, that doesn't uh, provide for me the way that I think they should. Yep, that's, see, God is a God of crazy faith. And you've got to understand God's calling you to step out of your comfort zone. To get beyond your stinking selfies and look at what God is calling you to do and follow him. And then you receive the blessing and provision and promises of God. But you've got to take the step. You've got to move forward. And I think there are people today that God is calling this morning to something bigger than you've ever known. He's calling you to move past the excuses of busyness. The excuses of, I don't have it. The excuses of fear and shame and guilt. The excuses of my past and how bad it is. Let me tell you something, Bubba, Bubba Et. We all got a past. God knows our past. And that's what he went to the cross to die for. That's why the Bible says God looked at all the stinking sin you and I have accumulated. And he went to that cross. And they nailed his hands and feet. To that cross and, and he died there for all the sins of the world as God placed them upon Christ. The good news is three days later, we're going to celebrate this in a couple months, Easter. Three days later, God rose Jesus from the dead and, and the Bible says that, that God made him, and he uses a spiritual word here, the atonement for our sin, the payment for our sin. So that we don't have to become good enough to get accepted by God. We don't have to work hard to be accepted by God. We're already accepted when we have Christ in our life. And you may be here today and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life. And your step of crazy faith today may be to say, today I'm going to quit being the leader of my life. And I'm going to allow Christ to lead me. Today, I'm going to ask Christ to forgive me of my sin, my rap sheet. Today, I'm going to receive the one, the only one. They can change my life and give me eternity and heaven for my home. I don't know what God's calling you to do, but I'm going to ask you to stand right now while our worship team and our band sings for us this song. There are going to be some people here at the front. I've asked them to be here, and they've been gracious enough to come. Because I believe there are people in the front, in the back, in the sides, in the middle, who really need to step out and say, God, today I'm going to step out in crazy faith, and I'm going to do what you've been stirring in my heart for me to do. And I'm going to ask you to come and take one of these people by the hand, just as a point of agreement, and say, today, I step out in crazy faith. Just, just tell them that. You say, well, that sounds a little silly. Why should I do that? Because it sort of cements in your spirit something that you can't go back on. And we don't want to go back on our word to God. I'm just asking for people that are serious about wanting to step out of their comfort zone and follow God in a step of crazy faith. You may not even know what he's wanting you to do, but you're willing to say, yes, I'll do, God, whatever you tell me to do. There are going to be people here just to quickly pray for you. And finally, there are going to be people here today that if you need to ask Jesus Christ into your life as your Savior and your Lord, man, they will pray with you. They'll show you how to do that. And I'm telling you right now, your life will forever change for the good because you did something. The only thing you can do, that is to accept by faith what Jesus has already done for you. 
If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. And as we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.